welcome to the second part of our Easter uh, Good Friday gathering uh, now. This is the word section and we're going to have a reading and a reflection that you can participate in. Just remember you can turn this on and off uh, at any time if you'd like to stop for a longer period. Uh, the reading today is from Mark chapter 15 uh, verses 1 to 20 and then verse 33. So it's Mark 15, 1 to 20, and then verse 33. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So they'd been plotting all night and they were totally united in their hatred of Jesus and their desire to see him completely destroyed. Yesterday their stories hadn't matched up properly and they got themselves into knots so they needed to get their story straight. They needed to come up with a foolproof plan for getting Jesus to the Roman cross. Here were the most powerful men in Israel, scheming and plotting together against just one man. How terribly threatened they were by Jesus. He wasn't even interested in power. He wasn't trying to undermine what they were doing. He wasn't after power the way they were. And yet, here they are, terribly threatened and frightened by this one man, Jesus, a carpenter's son from Nazareth, transparent and unassuming in his power and his authority. They weren't allowed to execute him themselves according to Roman law. They couldn't execute under the Roman law of blasphemy. That's why they needed a good case against Jesus. And of course, the case was political. It was sedition. That Jesus was a rival to Caesar's throne. So, having got their story straight, they handed him over to Pilate and presented their case against him. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. Jesus neither confirms nor denies the charges against him. And in Roman law, the judge allowed the defendant three chances, three opportunities to defend themselves but if he refused after the third set of charges, he would be automatically found guilty and punished accordingly. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. The chief priests were virulent 
they were desperate and determined to heap accusations and condemnation upon, upon Jesus. They desperately wanted this dangerous dreamer to die. I wonder, what were the many things they accused him of? What do you accuse the only perfect man in history of? What uh, kind of dark and bright imagination is required of the person who can accuse Jesus of many things? I say dark because of how twisted, how evil the imagination would have to be who is able to accuse Jesus of many things. I say bright because a great deal of creativity and imagination would need to be harnessed to come up with such accusations. A bright imagination in the use of terrible evil and darkness. The irony in all of this is that he was accused for us. Jesus was accused of many things, none of which were true. So that all the many things that are true of us might stick to him instead of to us. But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. This scene is like a spark of light, a spark of hope, no less, that Jesus might yet be saved, but he remains silent. Jesus had a chance, in fact, three chances to plead his case. He had a chance here to vindicate himself and get himself off the hook. Pilate held Jesus' life in his hands and Jesus stood completely silent. That's because there was a much more powerful judge with much greater insight who Jesus had entrusted himself to, even his own father, God. Isaiah reminds us in chapter 53, verse 7, that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Of course, Jesus had said several times that this would happen. And so behind the tragedy of Jesus giving up his opportunity to plead his case is the reassurance that God is in control and that this is the path he is supposed to walk. Jesus' confidence and authority 
reminds us in these days that God is in control and knows the path that each one of us will walk. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing that it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. Well, Pilate was stuck on the horns of a difficult dilemma. He felt, he knew really, that Jesus was innocent and so should be set free. But he had a group of very determined Jewish leaders who would become a group of very angry Jewish leaders if he let Jesus go free. Pilate knew that the chief priest's motives weren't clean. They just didn't like Jesus and wanted to get rid of him. They were jealous of the power and influence that he had, which he was taking from them. Because of Jesus' attendance at church, or I should say because Jesus of Jesus' attendance at church was going down and some of their faithful followers were losing interest in them and showing way more interest in him. Pilate saw through their jealousy and evil plan. But ever the pragmatist, he saw an opening where he might be able to avoid the dilemma. In the custom of the festival, he could offer to set Jesus free to the crowd. And therefore, by doing that, and the crowd setting Jesus free, he could absolve himself of this injustice, dare I say, this crime that he was likely to commit. Whatever the crowd chose, he could declare, it wasn't me, they did it. What shall I do then with the one that you call the King of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Well, Pilate's little plot had backfired. The chief priests were easily able to whip up the crowd against Jesus. And so when he gave them a choice of who to release, they chose Barabbas instead. When he asked them what he should do with Jesus, they said, crucify him. Here's a man who was interested 
in nothing but his own political survival and selfish desire. He was put in power and authority and authority to execute justice and righteousness. But he was only interested in power and ultimately his own pleasure and survival. He was willing to sacrifice an innocent man just so that he could preserve his own position and political favour. We may well say pathetic, but let he who casts the first stone make sure he's not the sinner himself. So Barabbas and Jesus trade places. A guilty man of violence was set free at the expense of an innocent man of peace and truth. Where's the justice? Where is the righteousness? Where's the goodness in that? Where's that verse that talks about justice being trampled? Habakkuk chapter 4 verse 4 says... The law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. This is the seal of Jesus' fate. He's now been handed over to be crucified. It seems that any hope of release is now completely lost. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had not mocked him, they took off his purple robe and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And down to verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to, to God. God. 